Chapter 2. The Reluctant Spouse in Love. In this chapter, I will help you to understand how your reluctant spouse deals with love. I get tons of questions from spouses who are struggling to understand whether or not their spouse still loves them. In this chapter, I've chosen some of the most frequently asked questions to provide clarity and insight into this subject. At the end of each question, I will also give you very clear and actionable tips that you can incorporate into your situation to assist you in achieving a more favorable outcome. Question. Can you cheat and still be in love with your spouse? Answer. This is a very complicated question, but I will try to do it justice. First, allow me to talk about love. Yes, love. I will start by saying that about 90% of the spouses that we have worked with, and that includes the 11 plus years of my professional mental health counseling career, inappropriately define what love means. To be clear, there are four types of love, and only one of which is capable of sustaining long-term relationships. You may recognize these terms by their Greek names. The four types of love are these. Number one, storge. Storge is fondness through familiarity and is described as the most natural love, the type of love that you would share with a family member, say a brother or sister. The second type of love is this, philea. Philea is love between friends. Friendship is the strong bond existing between people who share a common interest or activity. So think of the love that you may have with one of your friends or a best friend. The third one is this, eros. Eros is the erotic and romantic type of love. This is the most commonly misunderstood and overly emphasized type of love. This is most likely what you felt when you first met your spouse. So think of the sexual erotic type of love. That's what Eros is. Lastly, agape. Agape is unconditional and divine love. This is the type of love that has to be learned. This type of love is not reciprocal meaning it is given freely with no expectation of a return. This is the most difficult type of love to attain in relationships. This is the type of love that we all expect to receive even though we struggle to give it. Only agape love makes permanent relationships possible. Also understand that agape love is not an emotional love. It is a choice. It is a response to understanding the value of a certain thing. Agape love is a force generated by a decision. It has no feelings. It produces feelings, but at its core, it is not an emotion. It's an attitude, a way of being. That is why the Bible says that God is love. The only way to truly achieve this type of love is to connect to the source or the only person capable of loving in this manner, that being God. Now, having said that, let me ask you a few questions. How likely is it that your spouse was raised with the proper model of agape love? What about you? How likely is it that both of you use agape love on a consistent basis in your marriage? Is it even realistic to expect your spouse, who more than likely doesn't even know how to demonstrate agape love, to be capable of giving it? Your reluctant spouse, whether they are lost or cold, will struggle to demonstrate the type of love that you truly desire, that being agape love because they don't have it to give you. So when they cheated, they were giving arrows, if it was a physical affair, to the other person, not agape. And when they cheated on you, it was because they lacked the proper amount of agape to keep them fully committed to giving. As a matter of fact, they most likely cheated because they themselves were looking to fill certain voids. 
That was the main reason that I cheated on my wife. I was too empty to give her agape love and too weak to ignore the desire to fill those voids. So I went outside of the relationship to appease that hunger. In a nutshell, his infidelity has less to do with him actually loving you and more to do with his inability to love you correctly. One of our clients said it this way, the hardest part about marriage is not being married, but rather loving your spouse like Jesus loves you. (laughs) Now that's deep. What you can do to help them. Understanding real love, agape love, is probably not only a challenge for your spouse, but it is probably a challenge for you as well. Most of us grew up in households that were marred with divorce, abuse, neglect, or some type of trauma that shaped the way that you currently see the world and yourself. Despite this, there are five things for you to remember when helping your reluctant spouse in this area. Number one, connect yourself to the unfailing and always full source of love, God. Number two, study love. (laughs) Like actually study what true agape love looks like instead of just going off with what you were taught about love. Spend time in the first four books of the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Spend time there studying how Jesus lived. View it as research, not recreational reading. Number three, stop relying on your spouse to make you feel loved or to make you feel happy. You may not like this, but I promise that this is one of the most important concepts to hide in your heart. Number four, remember, love is a choice, not a mutual transaction. You choose to give love no matter what you are receiving in return. If you love your spouse only when you're being loved back, your love is only as strong as what you've been given. Number five, most marriages fail because of their expectations, especially about love. Make sure that you have the proper expectations about love. Question, how do you feel about being loved in spite of how you love? Answer, answering this question should be fun. I will answer this question twice, once for the lost reluctant spouse, and then again for the cold reluctant spouse. As a former lost reluctant spouse, I remember most of how I felt during the stage of my marriage where my wife was loving me unconditionally, even though I wanted out. There were a lot of emotions going on in my head, but there were three very strong emotions that I couldn't shake. Guilt, frustration, and confusion. I was guilty because of my infidelity. Seeing the pain that my behaviors were causing was at times debilitating. I know this sounds like an oxymoron, but it was true. I didn't show this to my wife, of course, and most likely your spouse won't be showing this to you. I was frustrated because of the conditions of my marriage. I was also frustrated because of the guilt. At times, it was too heavy and would interfere with my attempts to keep my wife out. The frustration was my fuel for keeping my distance. The third emotion was confused. I was confused because of the lack of answers that I was able to find. I had very little clarity of mind during the season. I knew that I wanted to leave the marriage, but I also knew that leaving it for another relationship was a recipe for disaster. At the end of the day, I wanted answers, not distractions, even though I settled for distractions out of frustration for not finding answers. For cold reluctant spouses, the biggest difference is the emotions that they use to cover up the emotions that I just listed. There are usually three emotions that they will rely on the most. contempt anger, and fear. Remember that if you are married to a cold, reluctant spouse, you are the scapegoat. Therefore, in order to keep you there, you can no longer be an object of affection. Contempt 
is a creative yet effective way of keeping you in that position. Anger is another convenient tool that cold reluctant spouses use as this becomes the fuel that keeps them headed away from the relationship. As you are the scapegoat and the reason for the failure of the relationship, they will use anger to keep any vulnerable emotions in check. Lastly, fear becomes their line in the sand, the dark corner in the room that they constantly avoid. Fear helps them keep their distance and forces them to only secure outcomes that they can control. If they can't control the outcome, they will avoid it. What you can do to help them. In this section, I only focused on a few emotions that your reluctant spouse is experiencing. Depending on their position, lost versus cold, you will be able to influence how they feel. Here are a few tips for doing so. For lost reluctant spouses, there are three things you will want to focus on. The first is balance. You want to make sure that you keep your emotions in check. Maintaining emotional balance is key to demonstrating consistency. Number two is consistency. The more consistent you are with demonstrating things like emotional balance and agape love, the more secure your reluctant spouse will feel with being vulnerable around you and towards you. Number three is security. Establishing a secure environment is paramount for helping your spouse to be comfortable with opening their heart back up to you. For co-reluctant spouses, you are really limited with what you can do as most of these spouses have already left the house. Your stance will have to be extremely and almost exclusively spiritual in nature. Refer to the Standing for a Co-Reluctant Spouse chapter of this book for more in-depth strategies. Question. Why would he say he doesn't love me anymore? Answer. I'm a pretty straightforward person, so I can't help but answer this question the way it came to me. <laughs> please, please don't get offended. The quick and easy answer is this. He says that he doesn't love you because he doesn't. He is not in love with you anymore. If you have read or listened to the very first question in this chapter, this response may not bother you as much. Remember, I concluded that particular question by stating, his infidelity has less to do with him actually loving you and more to do with his inability to love you correctly. I want you to hold on to that truth. Understand that your husband has chosen not to love you, not because you are an unlovable person, but rather because attempting to love you causes him to see how inadequate he is at giving love to you. Truly attempting to love you, agape style, forces him to acknowledge that he doesn't have that type of love to give. Remember, you can only give away what you already have, what you can do to help them. Getting him to love you should not be your goal. Instead, your goal is to help him to feel safe with his insufficiencies, safe enough to be vulnerable enough to address them. Here are a few tips that you can incorporate to help with this process. When he communicates with you that he doesn't love you anymore, Translate that information back to him. Make sure that you are hearing what his heart is saying and not what you have heard audibly from his mouth. Resist the urge to get defensive because of rejection. And resist the urge to withdraw your love from him because he has already withdrawn his love from you. Understand that God is using you to reflect back to your husband his nature. You may and most likely will, be the only accurate representation of God that your reluctant spouse sees. Don't jeopardize this privileged position because of selfish ambition. Be consistent in your ability to love with no conditions. Question. What does it look like to go from adoring and being in love with your spouse 
to not desiring them anymore? Answer. You may find the answer to this question pretty interesting. I'm just going to add that. <laughs> Imagine the erosion that takes place after a consistent stream of water continually flows over a rock. That's the same process that it takes for your spouse to become reluctant. Becoming reluctant as a spouse doesn't happen overnight, but rather it gradually happens as a result of old wounds clashing with new distress. For me, that was exactly the case. Here's a brief synopsis of my transformation from motivated spouse to lost reluctant spouse. I enter into the relationship ignorant of the baggage that I'm bringing with me, but highly motivated to be the best partner for my then girlfriend. Because I'm not conscious of my baggage, I wear a mask. The mask is a representation of my ideal self or the person that I would like people to see me as. It works, and she falls for the mask, and so do I. I work relentlessly at keeping the mask on, making sure not to show any of my disowned traits or the traits about myself that I really don't like and thus keep hidden. Because my past baggage is connected to my disowned traits, and because I haven't yet connected the dots of how and why those traits are there in the first place, they create triggers. Imagine me walking around, <laughs> wearing a mask, and full of triggers. Imagine me being unaware of those triggers as I begin to grow closer to my partner. Eventually, it becomes increasingly difficult to wear the mask, especially the closer we get. Soon, we marry. I then begin to notice that the negative traits about myself that I've worked hard to cover up are mysteriously surfacing around my spouse. Because I'm self-preserving and pleasure-seeking, I begin to question my decision to be so close to this person. Whereas things used to be pleasurable, now things are painful and stressful. I notice that I'm not the same person that I was early on in the relationship. I begin to resent her for making my life so unpleasant. I lose interest and begin to choose not to love her. Okay, that was a watered down version of how it happened, but I'm sure you get the drift. Most of this happens on the subconscious level thus creating massive amounts of confusion. If you can recognize this process in your spouse, you can then have an advantage on how to intersect it, what you can do to help them. Intersecting this process is not as difficult as it may seem, but there are some things that you will need to keep in mind if you are to have success doing so. Here are some very important things to remember. First and foremost, your reluctant spouse's decision to not love you is not about you. Their rejection of your love is not an indication of you being unlovable, but rather an indication of their inability to receive and give love appropriately. Let go of the fairy tale of love that you believe in and understand that love is a one-way street. True love, agape love, is unconditional and solely about what you can give. It has nothing to do with how you feel or what you can get in return. Also understand that we all wear masks when first entering into a relationship with our spouse. Your reluctant spouse has a mask that has served to protect them over the course of their life. Asking them to love you will force them to love without protection, a feat that most people, especially men, are truly incapable of doing. Don't penalize them for not doing what they have never known how to do. Lastly, Make sure to deal with your own personal baggage first. We have found that most motivated spouses who are standing for reluctant spouses are unaware 
of how their baggage affects their expectations for their reluctant spouse. Baggage affects baggage. (laughs) If you're being triggered by the behaviors of your reluctant spouse, it is most likely due to your baggage that you have decided to keep. Get rid of it first before you start standing. Please, get rid of your baggage first, then stand for your marriage. Question. At this point, do you think you're willing to love anyone unconditionally? Answer. To get to the heart of this answer, you have to first remember one thing. Your reluctant spouse can only give away what they already have. Expecting them to be able to love you unconditionally when they lack the knowledge is like expecting you to extract the DNA from a cell (laughs) without ever studying molecular biology. It just won't happen. (laughs) Not because you can't, but because you lack the knowledge and experience needed to complete such a common yet highly specific task. To top this off, most reluctant spouses are pretty aware of their inability to love you unconditionally. This creates anxiety in them, anxiety that is strong enough to keep them more interested in not loving you. As a result, they become highly unwilling to love you, which is one of the primary reasons that they are reluctant to begin with. They have learned through repetitive failing that attempting to love you is highly painful, not just to them, but to you as well. They have conditioned themselves to believe that it is safer to stay distant and ignorant than to pursue growth and progress in the area of loving unconditionally. Not only is it safer, it is easier and more convenient. Getting them to become less interested in self-preservation will take strategy and patience, both of which you will have to have yourself. What you can do to help them. Speaking of strategy and patience, let me be more specific. First, you have to have a proper understanding of agape love. As I mentioned earlier, agape love is the only type of love that makes permanent relationships possible. Agape love is divine in nature and can only come from a source that can do this flawlessly. God has to be your point of contact when seeking to receive and give unconditional love. My wife talks much about becoming love. She often says this when speaking with motivated spouses, and the words come out so effortlessly but sound so ambiguous. That's because the notion of becoming love is foreign. We simply aren't taught how to do so. Sure, we learn about Jesus and even teach about what he did, but very rarely do we study his life simply to see how he did what he did. The strategy behind helping your reluctant spouse open up to loving unconditionally is as simple as literally studying how Jesus loved unconditionally. Love is long-suffering. It has to be patient. But if you lack it, you will struggle with patience. You will seek for quick results despite you saying that you are loving unconditionally. Be honest with yourself. If so, you just might realize that your stand is less about you loving unconditionally and more about you wanting to be loved by an unloving spouse so that you can feel lovable. (laughs) Chew on that for a while. Question. Does he think about me? Answer. Yes. But, before you get excited about my quick answer, there are some things that I believe you should be aware of. Consider the negative bias. The negative bias, also known as the negativity effect, refers to the notion that even when of equally intensity, things of a more negative nature, like unpleasant thoughts, emotions, or social interactions, 
harmful or traumatic events, those things have a greater effect on one's psychological state and processes than do neutral or positive things. In other words, something positive will generally have less of an impact on a person's behavior and perception than something equally emotionally but negative. This principle comes into effect even more when there are a greater number of negative events, thoughts, and emotions occurring all at once. Given the nature of your relationship, yes, your spouse thinks about you, but those thoughts are usually distorted by the negative perception of their current situation. Instead of you brightening up their day, you are the scapegoat and usually the reason as to why they're in the funk to begin with. Don't panic, though. As usual, there is a way to help them to be honest with reality, what you can do to help them. Before I provide some tips, please remember that at the end of the day, they are responsible for changing their own mind. Also, if your spouse is a cold, reluctant spouse, this won't work as well due to obvious reasons. Refer to the cold, reluctant spouse section of this book for more strategies on dealing with a cold spouse in this case. Here is something to remember. The brain is hardwired to value negative experiences more than positive experiences. As a result, you will have to train the brain to become accustomed to favoring positive experiences. To accomplish this, I want you to remember the 13 to 1 ratio. The 13 to 1 ratio states that for every one negative experience, you will have to counteract that with at least 13 positive experiences. <laughs> yes, you read that correctly. For every one negative interaction that you have with your reluctant spouse, you will need to follow that up with at least 13 positive interactions. What this means for you is that you have to develop the often sought after gift of consistency. Your reluctant spouse will intentionally push your buttons, will intentionally stay unchanged, and will reject you at times just to test your resolve. They are always watching you, checking to see if the changes that you make are just for them or actually genuine. The more consistent you are, the easier it is for them to feel safe being vulnerable around you. The reluctant spouse in love. The reluctant spouse in love. Out of the many questions that I received that focused on how reluctant spouses deal with love, the six questions included in this chapter provided me with the best opportunity of painting a clear picture of the difficulties that reluctant spouses have with experiencing and giving love. Use this information in this chapter to help you approach your reluctant spouse from more of a strategic position and less of a guarded or offended position. Now that you have a better understanding of your reluctant spouse and their inability to properly perceive love, let's move to discovering how your reluctant spouse is currently dealing with their strained relationship with God.